following program contains language and subject matter that is adult in nature. Discretion is advised. Okay, there we go. This is Ugly Phil. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Okay, how about this? Damien's on the phone in Spain. They've developed a mattress, a smartress, that will tell you if your partner is cheating on you. How does it work? It's 24 sensors, uh, ultrasonic sensors that create a network across the mattress. And basically the mattress itself will sense any movement to send that movement to the server. The server will analyze the data and do the algorithm that we have incorporated into the software will check for a pattern and that pattern is basically a sexual encounter pattern okay. so it's a, pretty it's smart a, technology well it took us a while to get you know to the right algorithm but we managed to sort of identify what it is and what it isn't it's a software um analyzes the data and proves that you know it's not you know it could be a pet on the bed you know somebody making the bed somebody having a nap right then it will not send an, a notification to your phone if on the other hand it recognizes the cadence, the rhythm, the speed, the, the time. It takes into account, you know, a certain amount of time with that rhythm. Yep. It will notify, you open the notification, like a WhatsApp message. Yep. It opens the app, and then on the app you see several things. You see, uh, you have a little timer there that shows how long the encounter has been going on for. It shows uh, the pressure points. It has even something a bit quirky, you know, uh, a 3D map of the mattress with the pressure points in red, so you can see where in that mattress things are happening. Right. Um, it does create a bit of, of anxiety if you are away from home and um, and you see that. Does it give you possible suggestions as well as to what the suspicious activity might be? Definitely says that it is a sexual encounter. Otherwise it doesn't trigger the, the notification. It doesn't give you counselling after that. <laughs> Maybe it needs to link to a lawyer after that. It could be, yes. And just let me give you a hypothetical. You know, would it pick up, for example, some unusual activity with two adults and a goat? Um, well, n- n- no. The, the goat has a different pattern. I, I right. Think. I just want to make sure I've got myself covered. <laughs> What's the website so people can find out more details about it? Smart with double T. Smart dress, double S. But then again, you could always cheat by just shagging on the couch. Hey, Gazzo, get in here quickly because I want to tell you about something I was reading about, an article over the weekend. And also, Sammy X, listen carefully to this as well because you're going to have to be involved in this in just a sec, all right? All right. Come in here quickly. I want to tell you about this thing. What is it? Do you know that it's quite easy to do Brian Johnson of ACDC? Is it? Yeah. Um, I opened yeah. up the phones for a bit of Akadakioki. Yeah, that's right. Um, Another I was one listening. of your harebrained schemes. Well, I read in an article in a magazine that all you've got to do to do Brian Johnson is grit your teeth, okay. affect a faux Scottish accent, and then okay. sing entirely from the throat, right? Okay. And, and when you do that, you, you get this, right? Rock and roll night pollution. That's actually dead it's ringer for Brian than, yeah, Johnson. Yeah. I was better at it the other day when I was drunk when somebody told me. In a whole lot of ruin it. No, that's probably not a good one. You could hear it there, couldn't you? <laughs> you could hear it right there. That was almost like he was in the room, right? Yeah. You try yeah. it. <laughs> now you're not yeah. doing it right now. You've got to grit your teeth. You've got to affect a faux Scottish accent. You've got to sing exactly from the throat. It'll kill your throat. You won't be able to go on air for a week. But... Not Mrs. Brown. Because <laughs> in hell, Bill. You. There you go. Oh, no. There 
it, so you got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Once you start, you can't stop. Yeah, you can hear it in your ears and everything, and you can feel it in your throat. And crikey, you need a strepsil now. Open up the phone lines. I've got to hear oh, people yeah. doing this. Telling you, what are the rules again? Got to grit your teeth yeah. and talk with a Scottish accent, yeah. but sing with a Scottish accent. Sorry, and some throat, and get it guttural in your throat. Like. <laughs> It's so chumpy, you can carve it. You try semi egg, grit your teeth, stick your jaw out, you've got a do bit of Scottish, and you've got a good guttural in the throat. Okay, ready? Go for it. They don't need Axl Rose. Anybody could be the lead singer. Have a go at it yourself. So we've got ourselves a couple of Akadakiokis on the phone there. Yep. Do they know the instructions? Yep, they're very good. What are they going to know again? They're going to talk. Get the teeth like that, yeah. Scottish Get the teeth yeah, like that, no, and do it from the throat like that, yeah? Yeah, 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 good. Giggity. You can get us on email as well, which is what Tom Jones, obviously not the Tom Jones, but a different one. This Tom Jones is listening in London. Just send us an email laughing heartily at the ACDC Oki or Akadaki Oki. In the same vein, though, I don't know if you know this, Phil, apparently you can speak fluent French by simply pushing out your bottom jaw as far as possible and then talking. Give it a go. Okay. Hello. How are you? No. You try. Not really. Uh, uh, you got to put out your bottom. Push out your bottom jaw, right? Yeah. And go hello. I do. I sound more like. Uh, Bonjour. Hello. Hello. It's not really working for us, Tom hello. Jones. Bonjour. Hello. hello. Saying bonjour just doesn't make you French. You know? No, but it would sound oh, more French. Yeah, well, obviously, but it can't get any. Good day. No. Yeah, but I can't say good day anyway. Yeah, well, that's true. So if you tighten your throat and you grit your teeth like that. And you speak in a Scottish accent like that. You sound just like Brian Johnson of ACDC. It's Akadakioki, Brody. There you go, mate, yourself. Did you try the technique that I told you? I did, actually. I was singing along to it while you were doing it. It didn't sound anything as good as yours. Maybe you just didn't quite get it in your head. Grit your teeth. Uh, you got to, like, do that through the smoke like that and be Scottish. All right, let me hear Akadakioki. Because I'm back in black. No, it's got to be more from the throat. Grit the teeth a bit more like that. Like you constipated. Think you haven't had a shit for two days. Cause I'm back in black. Yeah, you're getting there. Hello, Rob, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. You heard the instructions. Can I hear your akadakioki? Uh, yes, I'll, I'll do shook me all night long. Yeah, okay, please. Yeah, you! Shook me all night long! Yeah, that's good. Grit your teeth a bit more. You really shook me in, you! <laughs> See, there it is! Shook me all night long! Anybody can do it, man! <laughs> Tony! Yeah, Grit the teeth, get the Scottish okay. accent, and make sure right. you do it from the throat. Okay, let me hear ya. What was that? Mate, you sounded like you were the lead singer of the Stone Temple Pilots. Now, after he's dead, try it again. Try to get the middle of the throat like that, and then do that. I hear it. There it is. You've got it. You're listening to the Rubber Room podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, seven to ten p.m. on Triple M. So we haven't really, with Prince's death, mm. we haven't had a chance yeah. to talk about this yet. No, we haven't, my friend. It was quite unexpected, wasn't it? And of course, all the conspiracy theories start now, don't they? Yeah. Well, apparently he'd been awake for five days. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, that'll do it to you. I heard the Illuminati got to him. Oh, was that right? And who are the he Illuminati? He knew too much. Really? What did he know? He knew stuff about stuff. Maybe they had a look at that symbol and realised it was just a symbol of the Cold War. 
<laughs> Looks a bit like a hammer and a sickle to me. But, you know, he's a man that always has people surrounding him, especially in Paisley Park where, you know, he employs a whole lot of people and yet he dies on his own in an elevator. That's the thing that got me. i got some amazing Prince facts for you. Go on. Do you know one of his tracks on the album, he had his doves singing? No. Yeah, they are in the background and he got those on mic and they did the dove singing thing. Mm. Don't know if they cried because that would have been quite, you know. <laughs> did you know that you couldn't record his voice ever? that he would never allow journalists to record his voice or even, in fact, to take notes. Well, what was Richard Wilkins doing when he interviewed him in 93? That's a good question. Maybe Richard Wilkins is part of the conspiracy. (laughs) You couldn't swear. That was his big number one rule. You did not swear. And if you did, you lost your job if you worked with him. You couldn't look him in the eye. You knew that one. Yeah. If you tried to ring Prince, he wouldn't answer the phone. The only way the phone worked for him was for him to ring you. Yeah, right. Or text you. He would never actually answer. I actually spoke to uh, a guy called Chad Smith, not to be confused with the Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer, who actually worked for him, and I asked him about those rumours. Do you want to hear what he said? Yeah, sure. No swearing. He never liked you to swear. He would always uh, remind you about your language if you swore around him. But I was with him after he had the swear jar and all that stuff. He came up to me and said, uh, I want to play in the dark. And I said, all right, you want me to put on, like, really dark purples or a really dark blue and just play in silhouette? He said, no, I want all the lights off. (laughs) I said, all right. So I went to the club manager and told him to turn all the bar lights off, everything he wants to play in pitch black. And we turned everything off, and he went out, and he played for three or four hours in pitch black. And I waited for him to say turn on the lights, but he never did. He played three or four hours in pitch black. And uh, after the show, he came up to me and gave me a cut of the door, which he used to do to us back in the day. He'd give us a little extra money for doing the after shows and uh he handed me the money and said best lights ever new order have got a new extended album coming out called complete music that's available digitally from may 13 and they're about to tour australia as well they've got some gigs coming up at the vivid live festival that's going to be happening thursday the 2nd through to saturday the 4th of june at the concert hall in uh, sydney let's get the new order Electronic dance music found an eager audience in urban clubs. The vibrant New York club scene soon caught the attention of a rock band from Manchester, England. The group, New Order, began to combine the excitement of the dance floor with live performance. If we did innovate in any area specifically, I would say it was taking this kind of electronic dance groove music out onto the stage and playing it live. How does it feel when you treat me? Like you do. Hello, Phil. Thank you for waiting. You are now connected with Phil. Hey, Phil. How are you doing? Nice to talk to you, mate. Hey, are you aware of the whole Vivid experience? To be honest with you, I'm not. In fact, Lou Reed came out one year and uh, he curated that with Laurie Anderson. That's what's going to make it so special and it's going to be a first of the band playing with an orchestra live. Will there be different variations of the way the songs will be played? There will be, yeah. I'm going to look forward to having a look around and seeing you know, the products of what will come out. Your name's really synonymous, I guess, with the remixes. I mean, and I don't know if this is still the record, but it was a long-standing record with Blue Monday as being the biggest-selling 12-inch remix of all time. Uh, Is that still the case? Still is the case, amazingly, yeah. And um, I just think um, with the recent album in particular, going back to the dance sort of roots, it's just lent itself to remixes. So we've had a lot of remixes done. Some of them have been absolutely wonderful. What will happen when you do the appearance at the Opera House as well? As I mentioned, you've got the classic five-piece configuration. You've got the Australian Chamber Orchestra. You've got the uh, celebrated British composer, Joe Dudel, up there as well. But will you have anything like uh, slides, um... <laughs> you know, nice cheese plates coming out halfway yeah. through. 
Well, <laughs> well, we put a lot into, of work into um, the live shows recently, and we've got it really down. We've got lots of multimedia stuff and visuals, as well as a band. So you know, you don't have to stare at our ugly faces for the whole set. It's a whole experience. So I'm really excited for people to see that. Crystal is one of my favourite songs, and I was talking to Peter Hook when he came out here in 2010. He was playing the Unknown Pleasures album. Were you on that tour as well? Did you come out with him for that? Yes, I was on that tour. That's when I first joined the band actually right. back in 2000 yeah we did we toured the world with that and um, I don't know whether you know the story about the band The Killers got their name yes well that's what I said to him I ran into him in the hallway and I said you know I saw that yeah. The Killers were on the drum kit is that how they got their name and he said yes so I saw you at the Inmore Theatre in Sydney that was one of the greatest concerts I've been to the way that the band played the Joy Division stuff as well. It was incredibly tight. We still uh, keep a couple of Joy Division numbers in the set as well to keep the spirit of that alive. So uh, I think people appreciate that as well, you know. I saw somewhere the other day that there was a collaboration with members of the band and I can't remember who it was and you did Shadow Play somewhere. That's one of my favourite um, all-time Joy Division tracks. I mean, I've had the pleasure of being able to play that with the guys before and uh, I just love that song. That's kind of what got me playing guitar, that song. Oh, yeah. That particular song, I love it. I can't wait to see you here. No worries, uh, thank you. Good to talk to you. And to hear some Joy Division connection there, of course, as well. So New Order, the extended album, uh, available digitally on May 13, called Complete Music. And they'll be in Sydney. Hopefully they'll extend that tour to the rest of Australia as well. Thursday the 2nd to Saturday the 4th of June, playing as part of the Vivid Festival 2016. You're listening to The Rubber Room Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at The Rubber Room AU. It's pretty quiet all around, which is why I may need to find myself an extra job. And I found an ad in the paper that may actually be able to provide me with a little bit of extra cash. Hello, Recruitment Centre. Oh, yeah, hi, it's Phil here at Triple M. I'm just inquiring about a job, uh, number 1557, that you advertise. Uh, Yes. Okay. Have you read the necessary qualifications? Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely think I'm capable. Okay, great. And where have you worked before? All over. Um, Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth. I see. And in this line of work? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for about five years. Five years? Wow. That's a fairly quick progression. Can I um, ask which company? Yeah, of course. I worked at uh, Mecca, um, Cabarito, Debella, and Kiko for a short time as well. I'm not that familiar with any of those. Are they well known? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had loads of customers. They always came in and asked for me too. Uh, Which area did you specialise in? Um... Well, a few, I guess. Piccolo, uh, macchiato. And my maple leaf is a speciality as well. I'm sorry? My leaf. Leaf? Yeah, my foam latte art. You are aware of the job you're applying for, aren't you, Phil? Yeah, yeah, I saw the ad. Yeah, you're looking for a barista. No, not a barista, a barrister. Barrister? Do they make coffee? No, it's a highly regarded law position, not someone who makes coffee. I'm sorry. Thanks, anyway. <clears throat> Ugly Phil. You're just doing this for the fun of it. The Rubber Room. Talking head, psycho killer. Yeah, but it's no psycho chicken, is it? I can't seem to face up to the facts. I'm tense and nervous and I can't relax. This Colonel Sanders job is getting me down. A crazy chicken chasing me all over town. Psycho chicken. Now that's a song.
Hey, you know what? I gave you a bit of psycho chicken before. Psycho chicken. Well, do you know what I'm thinking, Sammy Eggs? What we should do one night, we should just have a night where we just play ridiculous piss take songs like that. We could just get loads of chickens in. Yeah, loads of chickens. Or, or we cats. Could play. We could, could get you th- cats. Is there a cat, ridiculous cat song at all? I can make one. Can you think of a ridiculous song like Psycho Chicken? Because I can think of at least half a dozen. I tell you what, though, you can sing any song with meows and it becomes a cat song. Did you ever hear Baked Beans by Mother Goose? No. Oh, okay. you haven't lived. Yeah, yeah. Big beans, Do you like this? No. Do you like this more than Psycho Chicken? No. Apart from Psycho Chicken by The Fools and Baked Beans by Mother Goose, what other ridiculous songs can you think With of? Cats. Doesn't necessarily have to have cats. What ri- we'll have a whole night. We could play um, I'm an Individual by Jacko. No, no, that won't go. Say, buddy, you got a radio back there. What do you say you turn it on? No, thanks. I don't want to hear the radio. Well, maybe you don't, but I do. Oh, I see. Well, where do you want me to turn it? You turn the dial, I'll tell you. Ugly feels the rubber room. Yeah, that's right, right there. On Triple M. Okay, loads of people on the phone with some suggestions for ridiculous songs. We could do a whole night of it. How are you, Brett? Yeah, good, thanks. What is it? Uh, Fluffy by Wayne. Ween! I've heard the Push the Little Daisy song. What's this one called? Fluffy. Fluffy. All right, let me see if I can find it. Thanks, man. Michelle just got on the Rubber Room Facebook page and said there's a song called Robot Chicken by the Blue Rabbits. Is that like the Psycho Chicken and all those? Having played a bit of Psycho Chicken and Baked Beans by Mother Goose has led us on a journey to find the most ridiculous songs we can find. Leslie! Oh, One More Night by Yellow Dogs. Yellow Dogs, One More Night. How does that go? Oh, bloody crapping about mopping and cooking and crap. <laughs> I don't know, it's terrible. Michael, what have you got for me? I've got Lucas with the lid off, ugly. I remember oh, that, Lucas with the lid off. It sort of went a bit like that. It was gold. Yes. It was still gold. Love it. Great work, mate. Thanks for everything. Adam, what is it you've got? I think it's called Murder in the Brady House by Screeching Weasel. Never heard it. Sounds great. Let me see if I can find that. Hey, Alex, what have you got for us? Detachable Penis. Detachable Penis, King Missile, Sammy X's favourite song. Figure that out. (laughs) What is it, Vicky? Um, It's uh, President of the United States of America, Kitty. Meow, 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 meow. Are you doing this just because Sammy X wanted cats in something? Yes, and I was like, I know that song, what is it? And I quickly Googled it, and I was like, yeah, that's it. Hello, Andrew, how are you? I'm pretty good, Phil. Yourself? I'm all right. What have you got? Uh, I think it was by Captain Matchbox Whoopie Band, Hernando's Hideaway. Hernando or Fernando? Hernando. Is it worth having a look for? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> let that pause speak for itself. <laughs> Kathy? Yes? What is it? Uh, who let the dogs out? Who? Who, 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 who? <laughs> oh! <laughs> and one more. Richard? Hey, Phil, how you going? Good, man. What is it? Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs, Mashed Potato. One of the one of the most original lyric songs ever. All right, let me see if I can find that. Mashed Potato. Here it is. Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. Right. 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 And then? I think we get it. You're listening to the Rubber Room Podcast. Find us on facebook.com forward slash MMM Rubber Room. All right, so you know how the Mormons come knocking on your door on Sunday morning to tell you about God? Well, here is the Mormons version 
of Adele's song, Hello. <laughs> it don't matter if you don't want to see us again anymore. Almost makes you want to answer the door, doesn't it? Almost. All right, so I've been reading about Beyonce and the lemonade thing, and I don't really understand it, and it's all over news.com, and people were talking about it around here. And I don't get the zeitgeist, Sammy X. So if you can explain to me, just break it down, Beyonce lemonade, right? Essentially, Beyonce has released an album called Lemonade. Right. And it's all about how she was cheated on by what everybody is saying, Jay-Z. But right. they haven't actually said that. Right. This is just what everybody is believing. Oh, you've got to read into the complexity of the magic. I get that. Okay. So I thought maybe we could break it down so that, you know, when you get home tonight, your wife or your girlfriend can go, oh, do you know about Beyonce? And you go, yes, funnily enough, I do. So we'll get that to you with the interpretation in a Triple M listener style. But firstly, let's have a bit of a listen to this new song from Beyonce called Lemonade. A duck walked up to a lemonade stand and he said to the man running the stand, Hey, got any grapes? The man said, No, we just sell lemonade, but it's cold and it's fresh and it's all homemade. Can I get you a glass? The duck said, I'll pass. So could you explain what's going on between Beyonce and her husband from a footy point of view so the Triple M listeners can get an idea of what it's all about? Just to bring you into the picture, I guess if I can put it that way, this Beyonce Sheila's bloke's done the dirty on it and she's crying foul and ripping him a brand new one, much like Tony Archer allegedly ripping into Luke Patton for his officiating in the bunker most recently. And so now this Beyonce has only set about making an immersive, densely textured large-scale work, not too similar to Jamie Lyons finally crafted 16 years of top flight footy and what an effort it's been from the We War Panther. Right. I've seen this Beyonce's Lemonade video and when she sings Stop Interrupting My Grinding yeah. I Ain't Thinking About You well I'm immediately reminded of the great raging bull Gordon Tallis oh. and his unbecoming work on Brett Hodgson in that infamous origin incident from so many many years ago. Right. Fair dinkum let me just see if I've got this right. Beyonce goes the crow that her ex better call Becky with the good hair. It's nothing more than a snide reference that wouldn't go unnoticed in the locker rooms with Big Marty to power from the Manly Club. Beyonce yep. and what's the fella's name? Is it JZ? Yeah. They would have certainly known some of the impact. It may just remind the boys of that famous Wayne Bennett quote. Right. If you do what you always did, you'll get what you always want. Which in this case, my friends is the somewhat sour tang of some unquenchable lemonade. Uh, is this working? (laughs) Testy, testies? (laughs) Testies! This is Ugly Phil. Triple M, The Rubber Room. Uh, A married Oregon pet shop worker paid a prostitute with cash from a Girl Scout donation jar and also tipped the prostitute for her services with a small monkey, according to the police. 
They began investigating this guy from the Zany Zoo pet store after he stole $7,000 in Girl Scout donation money and a Galago primate named Gooey. What's a Galago monkey? Any idea? I don't know. Right. It might become in handy at some stage, that's all. Anyway, the prostitute told police that apparently he paid her money from the pet store, including cash stolen from the Girl Scouts donation jar. However, the monkey was just a tip for the encounter. <laughs> I haven't got any spare change. Here, have a monkey. But apparently, he's not in trouble for offering a monkey as a tip. He's in trouble because it's against the law to own an exotic animal without a license in Oregon. Anyway, I don't know how we're going to go with this, but let's give it a go anyway. See if we can get ourselves a punchline out of this baby. So, man tips prostitute with monkey for sex. Don't know if she spanked the monkey. Good one. Yeah, yeah, you got one too. Okay, yeah, all right. He was trying to primate. Primate's good. I like that as well. Well done. What have you got? Is there a punchline? Can you think of one? Make it one that's not going to get me in trouble. I don't want to be in trouble tomorrow. Which brings us to this. Giving a monkey for sex. Hello, John. G'day, Phil. How you doing? I know this isn't an easy one, so I thank you for your contribution, even if it's rubbish. Mate, it's all about the monkey business. Someone had to do it. Thank you. Hey, Cash. Yeah. I know that you can always be relied on for a punchline, especially if it's a man offering a monkey as a tip for sex. What's the punchline? Absolutely. He paid the lady with chimp change. <laughs> Hello, Dave. G'day, Phil. How are you going, buddy? What do you got for me? The police called the prostitute into Gorilla. <laughs> Very good. Give yourself the clap. Yeah, well, I can't. How are you, Mark? Hi, Ugly Phil. How are you been, mate? Mate, I've got to tell you, there's been some pretty good ones. What have you got? The dyslexic man paid the prostitute with the money key. Why was he dyslexic? Oh, he paid with the money key. Okay, thank you. I'll go now. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Hey, Phil. How are you? What can you give me? Did she get the monkey after or before she got the tip? See what I mean? Like, I see what you mean. You don't have to explain it. You're listening to the Rubber Room podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. Tonight in the Rubber Room, rival sons having just toured with Black Sabbath. Thanks for coming into the Rubber Room. And thanks for being so well-dressed and nicely appointed as well. (laughs) And I like to see some good facial arrangement going on there as well. (laughs) How's the tour been going with Black Sabbath? It's been pretty fantastic over here. We just wrapped up the North American leg as well, which was pretty incredible. So it was U.S. and Canada. Yeah, I think we've been received even better than we expected. And uh, this is our first time over Australia. Yeah. This is the end. So y'all better find some people to latch on to. We'll take and it. And there you Hi. are. Exactly. We're well, here. And you're doing download too. That's coming up. Um, <laughs> yeah. June. yeah. Great festival. One of the great festivals yep. too. We've done download a whole bunch. It's yep. been really good to us. Which Sorry. James Brown <laughs> song did you do? We did uh, It's a Man's World. Yeah, we did. Wow. You Fantastic. Can, yeah. Is that available anywhere? Can it's, I find it's that? Online. YouTube. Yeah, you can find yeah, it on YouTube. It's just a video. And vocally a bit of a stretch too. That's really the whole thing with it. I mean, hmm. the, the band, we could kind of make it happen. One of my favorite decades of music was the 70s. This band could fit quite easily in that particular period as well. Really? We've never heard that. <laughs> never. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll go home now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that by way of a compliment because, yeah, man, you know, you. the 70s was just, you know, there was a certain spirit as well. Sure. I mean, Elton John, for example, wrote some amazing songs in the oh, 70s, yeah. you know. Yellow Brick Road, Madman Across the Water. Yeah. This yeah. is some dangerous shit, man. Here's testament of how good a song is. If you can have dun, 
Dun. And people go, I know what that song is. All right. So with the album, uh, you've re-released it with Great Western Valkyrie, which did extremely well around the world, and, and a classic rock magazine gave it its album of the year in 2014. We actually, I think, re-released that Deep Purple tour. Yeah, we did a European tour with Deep Purple. Yeah, that was right before the, uh, the end of the year. And when you go into the studio, are you fully prepared, or do you allow some experimentation? No, we couldn't be less prepared. Uh, yeah. Dave Cobb insists that we don't rehearse or prepare. He's yeah. just like, show up cold. On pressure to our head down, we literally rolled into the studio off the road. We had our touring van, rolled into his driveway. And, yeah, so tired and beat down. Yeah, just beat down. Head down was made in like beat down status, man. And whether we go to Pro Tools or we're going to tape or however we're doing it, it's still going down the same way, very much live and very much off the floor and just off the cuff. Thank you so much for coming into Triple A. We appreciate it. Thanks right a lot. on, man. Thanks for having. Thanks us. for having us. Tonight, let's go to the promotions department. Hey Tim, thanks for showing us the Triple M Promotions Department, mate. Here's your free icy cold can of Coke and a Triple M sticker. Yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks, mate. What does your department actually do? Well, we get young, good-looking people to drive our big, shiny cars around the suburbs and give away stickers. Right. Is that it? We workshop names for them too, like Crazy Kate, Pistol Pete and Stereo Steve. And uh, anything else coming up? We've uh, got some big promotions coming up during the ratings time. Oh, okay. What are they then? Can't tell you, Phil, because well, we don't want Nova to steal them. But you, you do realise this whole conversation we're having is being broadcast, though, right? To be fair, it's only in your show, and nobody listens to that. Uh, well, that's why you don't have your own sticker. OK, what's coming up, then? What can you tell us about? Very excited by Christmas Island's Got Talent. Oh, yeah. That's where asylum seekers compete in a series of challenges on the Brecky Show, and then one lucky person will win citizenship. Wow, that's pretty topical. Well, that's what wins the ratey-ratey thingy. Uh, the ratey-ratey thingy. Anything else come up? You betcha. There's um, one for single mothers with children who don't know who their fathers are. They get to meet five total strangers and the child has to guess which one is their dad in a series of challenges on The Breakfast Show. Now, if they correctly identify the right dad, they'll win a year's supply of child support. And that one's called Who's Your Daddy? Wow, some great stuff coming up on the M's, mate. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for showing us what your department does. You sure you don't want that sticker, mate? Is he dead? It's just as ugly. Triple M, the rubber room. Hi, this is Shirley from Garbage, and you're tuned into Ugly Phil. But you know what? He's beautiful. Australia's goddess of geek, Lucy B, joins us. Have a look at the Facebook photo as well on the Rubber Room Facebook page. Great photo of you here, dressed in a bikini with a stormtrooper outfit. Firstly, how'd you get into this? I'm a massive geek and sort of never saw myself being in this position. And I think it's kind of cool that I'm able to sort of rep all the other geek girls I know and be like, hey, you know, geek is in, geek is chic, geek is sexy. I noticed on your website, topless in one of the shots, but you had a stormtrooper mask on. Yes! I've been in the adult industry for about five years and, and I did massage and I did... You know, nude modelling, like picture and people and stuff like that. And yeah. every step I took, I was kind of shocked that I was getting another step forward. I was thinking, okay, hang on. Because I did grow up with this perception of who was in the porn and in the magazines and did the stuff. When I got to things like escorting and porn, I very much tried to, I guess, at the start, fit a certain mould. And beyond things like plastic surgery, I was like, I'm just going to tan a lot more regularly and yeah. get some hair extensions. Diet a lot, yeah. Yeah, cross my fingers. And then... 
I sort of started talking more to, you know, um, some of the people who liked the content that I was in online and some of my clients and talking to them more about sort of my other interests. Like, so the geek culture. Yeah, yeah. and there they're going, this is really cool. Why don't you talk about this more? I mean, right. I, I'm, I read about politics more often than not on Twitter, but um, second to that, I'm talking about comics and gaming and stuff like that. So they sort of really encouraged me to embrace and be myself and being able to combine all the things I love means I, I never work a day in my life. Talk to me about cosplay because this is performance art of sorts, isn't it? It is. I've only just got into, like, I've been, I guess, involved in cosplay for about three years now. Yeah. And um, it was literally just going to conventions like Supernova and EB Games and, and seeing all these people sort of wearing their fandom on their sleeve or, in this case, like all over their bodies and being like, this is so cool. Yeah. And knowing that within the comics and the games I loved, there were these amazing characters that inspired me and that were just so fun to play. I was like, hey, let's give this a go. So my first cosplay was at EB Games Expo like three years ago and it was a character called Moxie right. from Borderlands who was a bit of a femme fatale who was also like really good with a gun. So exactly my type of woman. I sort of just went on from there and I think particularly for people who are a little more shy being able to come out of your shell that way is just an absolutely amazing experience. How does the crossover come from Comic-Con to the sex industry? Well, I think I've had a pretty good relationship with Sexpo, yeah. you know, from the very start of my career to now. People have always got dressed up a bit for Sexpo. You know, historically, you'll see people wearing their corsets or something a bit risque. Anyway, I really got my geek on at Melbourne Sexpo last year and I had a console at my booth and people could come up and game with me. Right, okay. Do you have to be in various states of undress while you do this? Um, I didn't have to, but... I like being it in helps. various states of undress. Of course, so it why works not? out quite nicely. Yeah. Um, and it can I be did... hot at some of these conventions. Exactly. And we also, you know, I was handing out prints and doing signings, and, and the ones that I seemed to get rid of the quickest were the ones of me and my cosplay outfits. Right. So, Sexpo, I think, really paid attention to the fact that it's becoming this huge phenomenon, particularly in Australia, it's really growing. Yeah. Getting the audience involved at Sexpo, they thought, why not? Let's give this a go. Of course, we'll get you to hang around for a sec. Uh, Lucy B, Australia's goddess of geek because I want to tell you about some outfit that I want to get together for sex as well. Australia's goddess of geek, Lucy B is here with us. Have a look at the photo of her dressed in her bikini with her Stormtrooper helmet on at the Rubber Room Facebook page and she'll be trying out some of her costumes at Sexpo. Sexpo's for I you could be too. A character too yeah. Exactly. I could be like Donger Man. Exactly. Well, there you go. Just, I, want, I want someone to come as Condom Man condom from those man, old yeah. safe yeah. sex adverts. So what are some of the characters that you dress up as? I'm keeping some of my costume choices under wraps. Right. But, you know, it's yeah. very important. I'm keeping it a surprise. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I will be doing a couple of stage shows in cosplay before right. the cosplay competition. And I'm also going to do something Star Wars themed. So going to be a lot of straps and a very heavy cape and a, a lightsaber or two. If you look at things like traditional fighting games and stuff like that as well, like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, it's some very good boots and some strategically placed items of cloth. But I've been informed that we've got some male entrants uh -huh. to the competition this year that are probably going to give the girls a run for their money. Well, me for a start, it's Donga Man. You there know. you go. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. But it's still like respect to you for getting out there and having a go, and we want to reward you for that. Of course. And what uh, are your favourite outfits that the fans always ask about? Uh, I find that in terms of what I've worn in the past, 
it comes in funny different ways. Like yeah. at one end of the spectrum, I'll have guys who really love to see me dressed up as Catwoman because it's a bit, you know, it's yeah. like a, a very the rubber. Form, in my version, more of a swimsuit. So right. pretty much stands pants. There's a lot of butt going on with this one. Yeah. Um, a leather jacket and, and a whip. Yeah. But then at the other end of the spectrum, one of my favorite cosplays is a character called Shepard from a video game called Mass Effect. And it's full foam armor and a really big rifle. And it's badass as hell. And it is arguable which is more sexy to well, two different crowds. I don't know. The bikini and a stormtrooper uh, helmet for me was rather interesting. I, I well, do you know what? I enjoyed that. I yeah. thought that was a, a new... Well, we, we never really see what stormtroopers wear under no, their armor, No, that's what I thought. Wow, we? who would have so, thought? Hey, if I can throw something a little bit geeky into my day-to-day, no matter yeah. what I'm wearing, whether it be lingerie or costumes or just, you know, a, a particularly geeky T-shirt, I'll do it because I love wearing my passion. All right, well, that's going to be happening at Sexpo. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you uh, when you come out in magazine form that I can't talk about that because that's a top secret. But, um, <laughs> mate, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much. By the way, I've been reading a lot of news.com, Sammy X, which is how I know all about what's going on with Beyonce. Yeah. Do you remember Peter Andre? Yeah, of course. Well, you know Peter Andre probably better than Australians do because he was huge in the UK. Oh, yeah. I used to love Peter Andre for about five minutes. Well, he loved a lady called Katie Price, otherwise known as Jordan, for a while. And I noticed this in news.com that uh, she said, she's come out and saying, Pete and I should still have been together. It was everybody else's fault that we ain't together anymore. Did I ever tell you about the time I did, um, back in the Hot 30 days, uh, a gig with Peter Andre at a nightclub? And this was back in the days when I still had some semblance of hair, but I was keeping it together by using this new product, which was spray-in hair, which essentially was just like spray paint, right? And you spray the gaps in your scalp. Right. And then you've got like a full head of hair. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it's great, yeah. So I was spraying this in my hair, and uh, just before Peter Andre went on to do a gig, and he was wearing white trousers, he's patted me on the head, and of course my head's all greasy, you know, because I've got this brown paint on it. So he's rubbed his hands on the back of his white jeans. Oh, and no. And he's got these big brown stains all oh. over the back of his jeans. I'm like, well, yep. Peter Andre wearing my hair. Anyway, so Peter, uh, who was apparently very much in love with Katie Price, that they broke up. Uh, she's now a mum of five, most of them from different husbands. She's insisted that the 2009 divorce from the star was against her will. She was appearing on Loose Women, and if there was, there was ever a show for her, she said, I didn't want to divorce him. I want to be with him. It would be lovely. She's now married to a part-time stripper, by the way. But here's a, you know, and anybody that's ever been in love will know that this is what you do sometimes. You do things for that person that maybe after the fact may have been a little bit of a, a bad idea. So when Katie said to Peter Andre, let's go on television at Christmas time and sing A Whole New World. I've seen this. Mm. And he's it's gone, brilliant. well, you know, I do love you and, you know, you might give me that special kiss I want later. So, yeah, what the hell, let's do it. I mean, it'll never come up again, right? So here is Peter Andre... Katie Price singing live on TV. You ready for this? Go on. Beautiful. A new fantastic so that's him. point of view. No one to tell us no or where to go. Or say we're only Here comes dreaming. Herbert. A whole new world. A dazzling place I never knew. From way up here, it's crystal clear. But now I'm She's in than me. a whole new world with you. Yeah. Now he must have really loved her.
I can smell the leather. <laughs> I can hear the whipping of the whips and the chains. We must be in none other than Ugly Phil's rubber room on Triple M. And this is Chris. And this is Scott. And this is Andy. And collectively, we, we are, are the, the living, living in. The living in. Hey, listen, there's going to be a new show on Australian TV. It'll be coming up soon. It's called Lookalikes. It's based on a show from Channel 4 in the UK. And it's all about the lives of celebrity lookalikes. Looks like a fantastic show. So I thought I'd get Joe on from JoJo's Agency uh, in Melbourne to find out about who are the most in-demand celebrity lookalikes. But firstly, a bit from the show. Welcome to Eastbourne's leading lookalike agency. You don't have to be crazy to work here. You just have to look like someone famous. Follow the lives of some fake faces. I want to be honest to you all. We're struggling at the moment. And see how they deal with the pressures of being almost famous. Oh, I suppose the only way I differ from David Brent is that I am good with the ladies. <laughs> lookalikes. Joe, last time we spoke, which was a couple of years ago, everybody wanted the royal family celebrity lookalike. Has that changed? No, still very, very much in demand, especially Satan William. Does the William have to keep shaving his head so he can continue to get more bald every year? No, uh, William does look like uh, William. He's actually going bald as well. Wow, brilliant. Well, that was huh? perfect then. <laughs> And what about um, Kate, who has this propensity to be pregnant every nine months? Does the, your no, Kate look alike? Nobody wants her when she's pregnant. Oh, okay. uh, nobody wants her when she's pregnant, so right. that's all right. People have like them sitting in the audience for Grand Prix and things like that to make it look like they're celebrities there. And then you've got your your pop stars, of course. Michael Jackson's probably the next most famous, and he's all ages. Like you'll get people with 40th birthdays, 50th birthdays want them. Then you get the kids wanting. Does he have to talk like Michael Jackson? He sort of teaches dance steps and things like that, but. Melbourne one actually sings like Michael Jackson. Oh, great. He's the only singing one and gets a lot of work. And Taylor Swift's becoming more popular. Got to keep up with the hair with her, though. <laughs> yeah, and the boyfriends. That's right. <laughs> what if somebody wanted a Bromwyn Bishop? Much call for them? No, not anymore. We used to have a lot of Julia Gillard, Kevin Rudds and John Howard, but no, not no for them for a long time. They're not current anymore. No, what about a Malcolm Turnbull? You got one on your No, books? we haven't got one yet. Right. We're still looking for one. And what um, about the Kardashians? Because every second girl looks yeah, like one anyway. they are starting, yeah. That's exactly right. They are starting to become more and more requested, mainly for teenage girl parties. And then, of course, your Marilyn Monroe is still really, really popular, especially right. for the guys' birthdays. Eliza Minnelli, yeah, and Marilyn Monroe about the two main ones. Okay. And what's um, the most left-field unusual request for a look like you've ever had, do you think? We still get Mr Bean occasionally. Right. What about any David Bowies? Any call for those? No, no none of those. Right. No, no doubt we'll get a few princes. That was my next question. Do you have a prince yeah. on your books? No, we don't. Right. <laughs> so but I'm sure one will come across somewhere. I bet you there's a uh, prince out there right now just waiting for the opportunity. Uh, look, we're always looking for lookalikes, but for us, they must look like them, not part look like them. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So people think they, they look like someone, them. yeah. I mean, people often yeah. say to me, hey, Brad, and I go, no, I'm not Brad Pitt. No, no. I get that all the time. <laughs> and that's only from an angle in the dark. Everyone thinks they do look like someone. No, I'm always looking for lookalikes. So what's the website so that people can find you in Melbourne and can come along and make a million dollars? It's just www.jojosagency.com.au. Nice one, Joe. Happy 60th birthday to Jimmy Barnes. Uh, you know, one time, I think I told you the story, I was uh, at a backstage area when Cold Chisel were about to go on, and Jimmy Barnes was about two feet away from this full-length mirror, and he's going, rah, rah, and I said, whoa, and I, was, I think Michael Chug was standing there, and I said, what the hell was that? And he goes, oh, it's Jimmy just warming up his vocals.
I went to the Dead Daisies only about a year ago when they were recording tracks for their latest album, and here's a band with the calibre of Guns and Roses and, you know, Psychedelic Furs and uh, White Snake. Um, and Jimmy, and his son was there too, and Jimmy had done the backing vocals for the Dead Daisies album, and they were just playing the isolated vocals, and all the members of the band were sort of going into the studio to try and match their vocals to his, and they couldn't because of the range that Jimmy Barnes had, which I wasn't even aware of until that stage. But when you hear him doing other people's stuff, it makes you realise how good he is as well, outside of Cold Chisel. There was the stuff he did for Deep Purple. It's the anniversary of Machine Head, which was one of the great Deep Purple records, and I'm a huge Deep Purple fan as a young kid, I you know, it's one of the one of the reasons I wanted to get in the rock and roll band was to be as loud as Deep Purple. I've become friends with those guys. I've sang with them quite a few times, and I just thought, you know, I'd love to sort of tip my hat to them and say, uh, you know, how influential they were on me and on lots of uh, other musicians. One of the most amazing things I ever saw Jimmy Barnes do was at the APRA Awards last year when they asked him to do the Sia song, Chandelier. What happened? APRA rang me and said, oh, would you want to, this, this is a contender for song of the year. We'd like you to you know, sing it. And I just said, oh, yeah, no worries. And I'd, I'd heard the song briefly, you know. I hadn't really listened to it that much. But when I listened to the song, I thought, oh, my God, what have I got myself in for? This is sure. a huge thing. Yeah. She's an amazing singer, amazing songwriter. I rang her. I got a number and rang her after I sang it and just said, thank you. That's such a great song to sing. That's one of my favorite tunes I've ever done, that one. Barnes of the Apples last year doing Sia. And it's his 60th birthday today. Hopefully he's listening to Triple. Are you listening, Jimmy? Give us a ring. Give us a Jimmy. Everybody give us a Jimmy. Happy birthday, Jimmy. Jimmy! Hey, guys, how you going? It's, it's Jimmy here. Hey, Jimmy, how are you, buddy? I, I'm very good. Yeah, I, I hear you guys are uh, promoting some uh, some gigs on the on the on the uh, on the, on the air. At the We've been promoting right. you and your 60th birthday, Jimmy. Yeah, oh, thank you so much. That's absolutely fantastic. How's the party going? Party's never going to stop. No, not while you're still going, buddy. Nah, mate, it's all just starting just here. Yeah, give us a bit of a tune, Jimmy. What do you want here? You got nothing, I want. <laughs> oh, I tell you, mate, you are the greatest Jimmy Barnes impersonator I have ever, ever heard. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. No, uh, yeah, well, no, well, I'd, I'd like to promote a gig in Melbourne from uh, this great band called Gold Chisel. They're, they're, they're playing in Melbourne tomorrow night, so uh, I, I thought I might give you a call, you know. I'm celebrating my 60th birthday. I'm not, I'm not even 60, you know. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> and the lead singer is a dead ringer for Jimmy Barnes. It's unbelievable, man. So with the passing of Prince the other day, we were talking around the office about what if you were in a tribute band, like a Prince tribute band, what happens after that? I mean, does the work increase or does it decrease? I mean, what are the changes? In it? i got Gareth on the phone, who's from the Australian Queen Tribute Show. When did you become Freddie Mercury, mate? 2006. Right. I went and saw other tribute shows because my uh, wife took me along to see them. And if I'd had tomatoes with me, I would have thrown them and I was very pissed off and upset that uh, the quality wasn't there. And so I made a decision I was going to do something about it. When you told your wife that you wanted to be Freddie Mercury, did she say, well, how far into the character are you going to become? Well, she just rolled her eyes because I'd been badgering her with Queen stuff for <laughs> the whole time we'd been together. Well, this was the other I'd point, too. I mean, when you become a tribute artist, you've got to essentially embrace everything about the performer that you're going to be. So the voice, right. you know, the mannerisms, definitely you've got to look like the person, right? Absolutely, yes. On stage. Everything that they did, how they did it on stage, not off stage. 
No way. Yeah, of course. I guess you're in a position where this probably won't affect you because you came into the act after the death of Freddie Mercury. We were talking about if you were a Prince tribute act. In your opinion, how does it change once the person that you're emulating dies? Well, your bank account would certainly probably change, I would suggest. Um, when you're a punter, you know, why would you see a tribute if you can just wait till that person tours again? When that's not possible anymore and you lost your opportunity to go and see them live, then your only option is to watch a DVD, which is never the same, yep. or go and see a tribute. And because we treat it with a little bit of irreverence and we're serious about the music, but we're not serious about, we don't think we're the actual characters unless we're on stage. We have a lot of fun with it. I'm not going to do the same exact thing he would have done at Wembley because I'm not performing to 75,000 people. Right. What would he do if he was playing at the Frankston RSL? Well, yeah. I reckon he'd be pretty jovial and have a lot of fun with the audience. Well, he certainly yeah. wouldn't go, good evening, let's go, you know. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> if I go and see a tribute band, I want them, I mean, maybe this is just me being selfish, I want them to look like the people they're supposed to be. And I think that's an oh, important absolutely. part of it, right? Absolutely. You have to, they have to be able to sort of close their eyes and listen and, and, and think they're listening to that band, but then when they open their eyes, they have to be able to see the movements, the mannerisms, the attitude, the accent. And so because I've had a history of music theatre and done lots and lots of music theatre, for me, it's a role. So as soon as you're on stage, if someone is shouting something at you from the audience, you have to respond as if the original character would respond. You yeah. have to be as cheeky as the original person was. Imagine if you were the lead singer of a tribute band and a member of the band lost an arm or a leg. It's like, well, how far do I want to go with this? Because you know that someone in the audience would go, hang on a minute, mate. Well, there's a band called Death Replica and their drummer has his arm tied behind his back in a sling and he plays the whole gig with one wow. arm. I mean, if he was true to the cause, he'd have it sliced off. Oh, absolutely. He's obviously quite not dedicated <laughs> yeah, enough, to be on, honest mate. with you, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to plug some gigs while I've got you here? Tab called Melton in Melton. I think it might be sold out, but uh, they should call the venue. For the rest of the year, there's about 20 shows. Just go to www.taqts, which stands for The Australian Queen Tribute Show. Come along, you'll have an absolute ball. For sure. Good to talk to you, Gareth. I was talking to Gareth from the Queen Tribute show a moment ago, and I was asking if there were any other bands, and loads of people gone through. How are you, Brian? I'm not too bad, mate. Who is it? Uh, it's a Pink Floyd cover band called Dark Side of the Wall. Really? So they've got all the genres kind of covered, all the albums yeah. together there. Um, yeah, they do their covers from Dark Side of the Moon and The Wall. The, the floor show is just amazing. Like they got this huge foam brick wall that they build during the performance. Okay. The I'll go and check them out, Brian. No worries, mate. Hey, Kathy, who Hi, is it? The cult, but I, I think they're called something else. I'm not sure. Well, I've seen Ian, Ian Asprey and Billy Duffy driving around. Wow, so they around. are actually in character as well, even when they're not doing the cover band thing. Yeah, they've been around my home and been uh, driving around me in there. And you don't know the name of them? Cult band, I think they're called something else, but I can't remember. All right, I'm going to go and look for a cult cover band and uh, somebody who looks like Ian Asprey. Yeah, and Billy Duffy. Who is it, Brody? Yeah, mate. I actually went and saw Shannon Noel <clears throat> probably about a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. Seeing as it's Barnsley's night, he actually played a bit of Barnsley and uh, a bit of Cold Chisel. He sang a bit of Choir Boys, some um, KC and Working Class Man. If you had to close your eyes, he would have looked like Jimmy Barnes. He sang real well. Hey, Don, how are you? He is one of the most... The awesome men you'll ever meet, Gareth Hill is. And he also does one of the best m um, Mercuries you've ever seen. Gareth, we just spoke to you. You saw the show. Yeah. I've been following him for six years. I've probably missed about four shows. Right, okay. He's got two girls, um, Naismith, Donna Naismith and Jackie Naismith, that follow him everywhere. You're and starting to sound uh, like the girls that follow John Farnham around now. You're freaking me out. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, we're not that bad, but we still <laughs> love them.
You're listening to the Rubber Room podcast. You can listen to us weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. on Triple M. Thanks for the people calling through with some tribute bands that we should check out as well. Hey, Stephen. I'm well, Phil, yourself? Good. Who are they? Alison Chains cover, mate. I can't remember the actual gig name. I saw them up at the barn. They're actually um, supporting uh, Appetite for Destruction at the Corner Hotel on May 13. Wow, I love Alice in Chains. And yeah, mate, and they ripped the shreds out of it, mate. The lead singer has got the most unique cover voice to uh, um, Lane and um, Paul. Lane Staley, yeah. Yeah, Paul Seralini's a drummer. He's All a right. Good mate of mine. I'll have to look out for them, but we don't know their name. Just if you put in um, Alice in Chains cover, they've got YouTube clips of their rehearsals. I'll have a look for it. Thanks, Stephen. Good on you, Phil. All the best, mate. Love the show. Hey, David, how are you? I'm with an excessive NXS tribute show. Which character from the band are you? I'm Michael. What happened when Michael died? Were you actually still in the tribute then, or was that did you come after the fact? Oh, look, no, no. Look, we've been doing it since the early 90s. Well, I have been, actually. Right. Um, there was a reformation uh, in 97, Yeah. Uh, and we've been doing it since. That must have been very difficult for you, because what a loved and iconic Australian singer as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're all uh, really big fans of NXS, obviously, to do the show, and um, yeah, we put on a pretty faithful uh, tribute to the guys, you know, playing all the hits, and we were actually at, uh, you mentioned the Frank Sinatra cell there before, and, you yeah, know, we're there on the 14th of May. Brilliant. Well, you come highly regarded as well, because somebody was also talking to me about you. Check it, uh, do a little search on Facebook for our page there to like it. It's uh, inexcessive01. You know, when Prince died... Somebody yeah. said the other day, I uh, wonder what happened to Shaka Khan. And everybody went, huh? I said, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan! You don't know what I'm talking about. Don't pretend. No, it was in a film. Someone said that in a film once. Yeah, the, the wedding, why, sing- why, the wedding yeah, singer. Yeah, yeah, and why did they say that? Because it was the 80s. No, because it was the lead singer. Shaka Khan was discovered by Prince. <laughs> oh, look, listen to this. Here we go. Shaka, 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 Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. All right, does that mean anything to you? No. No, it meant nothing to anybody else either. Oh, yeah, hi, it's Phil here at Triple M. I want to book a holiday, a trip. Can you help me with that? Yes, um, I can write down all the details. Do you fly uh, direct to Shaka Khan? I wouldn't, no. Right, okay. Um, if I have to write it down and get Shell to call you, sure. is that okay? Sure, because where I want to go is uh, Shaka Khan. Do you know where that is? Um, no, unfortunately not. Shaka Khan, Shaka, Shaka, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. Ooh, Shaka Khan. Ooh, I want to, you know, to go there. Okay. Shaka Khan. Ooh, Shaka, 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 Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Yeah? Yeah. So that's possible then? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, if you could just get hold of someone and tell them I want to go to Chaka 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 Khan. Ooh, Chaka Khan. Alright. I will. Is that all you need? I don't think there's a um, city or whatever you just said. Chaka Khan. Chaka 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 Khan. Chaka Khan. Did you say it that way or? Yeah, yeah. Chaka 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 Chaka. I'm not writing this down. Why not? Chaka 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 Khan. Ooh, Shaka Khan. Ooh, I wanna. <laughs> we may find this a bit disturbing. He held me. Go! Oh. Triple M, the rubber room.